Good evening, church. How are you doing this evening? I am blessed to be here. Uh, my band, uh, I like just calling them my band. It just makes me feel like I'm a part of a band. Um, they, they pick at me because I, nine out of ten times, instead of calling them the crosswalk band, I end up calling them the crossfire band. I got it in my head and I couldn't get it out. So I've renamed them tonight the crossfirewalk band. I just, I'm just going to agree on that. And uh, they are part of my church but I don't get to hear them very often. We have two services that overlap, so when they're singing, I'm still in another service. So it was a real blessing. And, and can I join this group? And again, thank, thank you, Lord. I appreciate you, you giving uh, some of us your time to be here. Um, I'm the pastor at Oak Ridge United Methodist Church, but for uh, about 13 years, I was a traveling evangelist and preached all over and, and used to put a pen in the map. And I was really all over North Carolina. I've never been in Pleasant Garden, never preached in this area, so I get to put another uh, pen in the map, and, and I'm thrilled to get the chance to be here. When Mark called me originally, uh, my church leadership has asked me not to, to preach outside the church as much as I, as I have, and I understand that. They, they've been very kind to let me do that. And so at first I said, Mark, I wish that I could, but I, my church will, just doesn't want me to be preaching outside so often. And then he said, Andy, there are more lost people in this church than any place you have ever been. And so, you know, with that, and he said it with such sincerity, and, and he, was, he said, and that's just the leadership. That's just the leadership that I'm talking about. He didn't say that. He did not say that. He just said the choir. No, he didn't, he didn't say that either. He did not say that. He did not say that. But I'm honored to be here. Uh, you've had some great preachers uh, who in, in, in revivals past, uh, Talbot's a good friend of mine, and, and Tim Reeves uh, is one of my favorite preachers, and I'm trying to get him to come to, to my church as well. So I'm so thankful for what God's doing in the life of this church, and, and that, uh, that you want to be in revival and, and believe that God can do something when we come together and worship for a couple days. So I'm going to get to preaching in just a minute, but i got to loosen you up just a little bit. So um, how, how many of you have, I've ever... Uh, encountered before, pre you've heard me preach before, huh? it just be oh wow, there's a bunch of you. Well, you're going to have heard this before, the rest of you <clears throat> get warmed up. This is how I warm up a crowd. I just got to use my old standard to warm up a crowd. So um, I read a passage of scripture in the book of Daniel where it says, uh, you conspire to tell me misleading and wicked things. So he says, you've lied to me. So based on that, I wrote this little story, and it goes like this. Um, have you ever told you a story about how a... a, a uh, I got in a fight with my best friend, Jasper Bloat, and I give him a fat lip, and he give me a black eye. Oh, can I tell you that story? See, when I was a little boy, I got in a fight with my best friend, Jasper Bloaten, and I give him a fat lip, and he give me a black eye. Now, you think that's a bad thing. But when you're nine years old, a black eye is a conversation piece, something to talk to your buddies about how you got this here black eye. The only problem is that my mama, Margaret Alice, you said her, she didn't allow for no fighting. You could get in trouble for fighting quicker than you could get in trouble for almost anything. Almost anything. So anyway, I come home with this shiner on mine. I thought, what am I going to tell my mama? And I come up with this story, and this is what I told her. She said, Avery, what happened to your eye? I said, Mama, it happened just like this. I was going to go see my best friend Jasper Bloating. They live in that big white house that's green all over down that curvy road that runs straight down the mountain. Now, here's the interesting thing, Mama. I didn't even take a hunting dog. You know, I always take a hunting dog everywhere I go. I didn't take one this time. Said, but I did take my hunting dog, Shorty. We called him Shorty on account he only had two ears. So anyway, 
Both their front doors are in the back, so I knocked on the side, asked if I could come in. They said I couldn't, so I did. And I was standing there talking to my best friend. He said, let's go out to the apple orchard, get us some peaches, and make us a watermelon pie. Well, I allowed that to be all right, and he allowed that to be all right, so she headed right out of there. Now, here's we going out to the uh, tomato patch to get us a watermelon, see if we can make us a cantaloupe pie. I didn't even take a hunting dog. You know, I always take a hunting dog, but I didn't take one this time. Said, but I did take my hunting dog, Shorty. We called him Shorty on account of he was a cat. So anyway... I seen this, uh, this uh, tomato tree, and I started shaking and shaking and shaking, climbed up in the top of it, shook and shook and shook, and finally I heard something go thud, and I turned around, it was me. I had fell face first, flat on my back, and tore the sleeve off my best pair of breeches. Well, that's when I was going to tell my mom I got this here black eye when I could see she wasn't buying it, so I kept talking. Well, after that, my best friend, he said to me, he said, uh, let's go squirrel hunt and see if we can catch us a rabbit. Well, I allowed that be all right. He let that be all right, so she headed right out of there. Now, here we's going to squirrel hunt and see if we catch us a rabbit. I didn't even take a hunting dog. You know, I always take a hunting dog, but I didn't take one this time. Said, but I didn't take my hunting dog, Shorty. We called him Shorty on account of he'd been dead for three years. So anyway, I looked at the top of this little old uh, tiny sapling tree, wasn't but a couple hundred feet high. Up in the top of that was two full-grown baby rabbits. Mama, the wingspan on one of them rabbits was about that wide. So anyway, I took a shot and I missed it. When I did, I hit the shadow of that rabbit. The shadow weighed 10 pounds. It come tumbling out of there, hit me right there, and that's when I was going to tell my mom I got this here black eye, but I could see she wasn't buying it, so I kept talking. After that, my best friend, he said to me, he said, let's do our chores together because two can get it done quicker than seven. So anyway, we had us an axe. We was going to cut up some firewood, and we seen this old pine nut, hickory walnut, and I was about to chop into that thing when the biggest cotton-mouth uh, rattler snake python jumped out of there. Mama, the snake was so big, it didn't hiss, it mooed. Well, anyway... That thing tried to bite me, and it missed, and it bit that axe handle. And the poison from that snake got in the axe handle, and it swelled up bigger and bigger. The end of that thing just popped off of there. And that's when I was going to tell my mom I got this here black eye, but I could see she wasn't buying it, so I kept talking. Well, after that, we decided we didn't need to cut down a tree. That axe handle was big enough, so we cut it up. We had five truckloads of firewood. We had enough extra lumber that I built a seven-story treehouse. And, Mama, I played in that treehouse all day long, but I didn't take into account that the poison would wear off and the swelling would go down. And when it did, I didn't have nothing left but a handful of toothpicks. And, Mama, I fell out of that handful of toothpicks, and that's when I got this here black eye when all of a sudden she said, Avery, you can get a whooping for lying just like you can for fighting. I said, I got in a fight with my best friend Jasper Lope, and I give him a fat lip, and he gave me a black eye, and that's the end of my story. A lot of people. So that's my warm-up. That's my warm-up right there uh, because it's a story about how, how when you're lied to, the only way you know a lie is if somebody tells you the truth. So um, I'm going to ask you tonight to share the name of the person who is primary. Not, not, I know a lot of people have a lot, but who told you the truth of Christ? Who's the person that because of that person, you know Jesus? And, and so, so just for a moment, will you call out some of those names? Your mom, dad, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Now, tomorrow night, not, I'm, uh, not only am I going to ask you to call out the name, I'm going to ask you to maybe share a testimony, how you came to know the Lord, where you've seen God moving. And I know I'm in a Methodist church. I know where I'm at. But it's still a powerful thing. So you'd be praying about that. 
Is there something that God's done in your life that you could share with God's people? So if you've got your Bibles with you, you probably didn't grow up Methodist. Because, <laughs> you, you know, because we, we've got it memorized. We turn to the Gospel of Luke, the seventh chapter. Uh, I'm going to begin reading at the 36th verse. The Gospel of Luke, the seventh chapter, the 36th verse. It says this. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in the town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisees who had been invited saw this, saw him, invited him, saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would have known who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owe money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii, the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back. So he forgave the debts of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give any water from my feet, but she wept my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she poured her perfume on my feet. Therefore I tell you, many, her many sins have been forgiven, for her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. Then Jesus said to her, Your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. May the Holy Spirit that is moving among us, that's been trying to get our attention all day long, add a blessing and an anointing that the living Word of God might live in our hearts tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, um, for a little period of my life, I started reading Greek mythology. I've got that kind of time on my hands. And um, I found out something about Greek mythology. It is very, very boring. Very boring. And it's depressing. Have you read a Greek myth lately? At the end of it, everybody dies in the basement surrounded by cats. That's how almost every Greek myth ends. But it does have a great truth. Some of these myths can really point us in the right direction. So I decided I would rewrite one of the Greek myths, and I would improve upon it. I would give it a happier ending, and I I would tell it in an interesting way. And then I added a cherry on top. I'm going to add at the very end of this Greek myth the corniest pun you have heard today. I didn't say the funniest. I said the corniest pun you have heard today, maybe this week, 
Maybe this month, probably this year. Okay, so I want to tell you the story of Narcissus. Now, if you've ever heard the, the phrase, uh, the word narcissism, it comes from the Greek myth about Narcissus. So, here's my version. And, and In fact, to improve it, I thought, you know, the best way is to use a ridiculous French accent. So, that's what I'm going to do. <clears throat> Hello, I want to tell you the story of Narcissus. There was a demigod. Not really. That's just what the Greeks believed. There was a demigod whose name was Cephasus, and he fell in love with a wood nymph. And the blue and the pink got together and made purple. They had a baby. And the baby was so handsome. He was Ryan Riddles, Brad Pitt, and Mark Weekly all rolled up <laughs> into an Uncle Uncle Burning Love. He was a Adi who had been dipped in Adi sauce. One day, Narcissus, with all his charm and good looks, was walking through the woods, and he ran into another wood nymph. Lots of wood nymphs in the Greek myths. Her name was Echo. And Echo saw Narcissus, and she fell madly and deeply in love. But Narcissus was not in love with her. And so her love for him was unrequited. And so she, it broke her heart. She was so brokenhearted that she disappeared, and all that was left of her was the echo, echo, echo of her name. The Greeks are clever. Now, Echo's mother, whose name was Venus, and who was the goddess of love, she put a curse upon Narcissus that when he saw his own reflection, he would fall in love with himself. And so Narcissus, he is walking along, and he sees a pond. He looks at himself in the pond. He sees his reflection. And Narcissus falls madly and deeply in love with himself. Narcissus sees Narcissus and he is in love with Narcissus. So much in love that he cannot turn away from his own gaze. And that is where it turns dark in the regular myth. Because he dies staring at himself. But I came up with a better ending. Narcissus is in love with himself. He cannot look away. He is pining away when suddenly a traveling minstrel whose name is Justin Bieber comes walking by. And Justin Bieber says, Narcissus, I know how you can break the curse. Here's what you must do. Take your hair and push it to one side. Then take another bunch of your hair and push it to the other side until there is a line going down your head. And when you do that, you will have broken the curse. So Narcissus, he listens to Justin Bieber, and he takes his hair and pushes it to one side. And then he takes his hair and he pushes it to the other side until there is a line right there. And the curse is broken. Do you know why? It is because Narcissus and Narcissus both grew apart. I told you. I t One more time, just a little, just a little, or, you know, a boo is fine. My brothers and sisters, I told you that silly story, hoping that you would remember this. Our only hope is to get over ourselves. It is the only hope we have to have a life of meaning and purpose, to escape our sinfulness, our brokenness, our self-centeredness. It is the only hope we have if we can find a way to just get over ourselves. One of the great theologians, Paul Tillich, said this, there are two kinds of selfishness. 
One is self-hatred, and one is excessive self-love. And in this story, we see both. We see a man so focused on that other woman, so in love with himself, so focused on her sin and so proud of his righteousness. Then on the other, we see this woman who just hates herself. But there's one more person in that story. And his name is Jesus. And he is the hope that we have. There's nothing unique in the Christian story about we ought to help others. Uh, Throughout the whole world, throughout all of culture, throughout every religion, every philosophy of life, people have said, hey, you ought to help somebody. You ought to live something other than yourself. They have said it, but they have found it hard to do. So how do we fall out of love with ourselves? I've been very fortunate in my ministry that I've gotten to do a lot of youth ministry, and I've, I've loved every minute of it. Many years ago, um, I uh, was headed to a camp, and one of my favorite youth, a kid that I just love and still love to this day, I love this kid, he was going with me, and I found out um, that his girlfriend had just broken up with him. And, and you know, if you haven't been a teenager for a few years, you can forget what that's really like, how, how, heartache, how much of a heartache that is. I mean, he really liked this girl, and he was just brokenhearted. And he was such a joyful kid, and, and, and I was, you know, I wanted to just help him in any way I could. So we're, we're just there together on the youth retreat. And about Saturday, I just saw a difference in him, and I thought, you know, he's getting over it, and he's realizing that, that there's more to life and, and that maybe God's working on him and, and, and he's, he's, he's drawing closer to Christ. And by, by Sunday, he was just, whoo, he's back to his old self, just jumping up and down. And I said, wow, God's really got a hold of that kid in a dark day. He's really got a hold of that kid. Had nothing to do with Jesus. He fell in love with another girl while he was on that weekend. <laughs> that was it. Nothing wrong with that. Um, the world says you ought to, you ought to help people. And... and the world's right about that. We ought to help people. But the problem is, it, we just keep falling back to the default mode of the human condition, and that is self-centeredness. We, want to, we think about our problems. How, how much of today, how much of this week have you thought about what your problems are? How much have you worried about what you're dealing with or what your family's dealing with? And the, the only way to, to break that love affair with self is to fall in love with Jesus. That is what is unique about the Christian faith. That is the unique claim that Christ says, if you want to make an impact, if you want to love people, if you want to get over your love for self, the Bible says fall in love with Jesus first and then love the people that Jesus loves. And and that is a a, a unique statement that, that the Bible calls us, hey, just don't go out and do good, but love Jesus so much that He fills your heart that you just want to do for the people that he loves. I got to go with the group to Monterey, Mexico to, to do some preaching and to do some restoration of a church. And <coughs> we, uh, It was a bunch of preachers, so we, we took somebody who knew what they were doing as far as carpentry, somebody who worked for a living. And, um, so, uh, and there were some other lay folks there. So all day we would work in these churches, and we, we were doing some fixing up some homes, and at night, they wanted us to worship. They invited us to worship. And, and we, I love the, the culture because we would say, what time is the worship tonight? And they would say, tonight. And we would say, well, what, what time tonight? And they said, 
tonight. And so, you know, we'd get there about 7 o'clock. There'd be some people there and then some more people there. And then when enough people got there, they started worshiping. And they would worship for two or three hours standing and singing. And you'd just be exhausted by the end of the night. They just poured out their heart to the Lord. It was beautiful. One, one night, an air conditioner caught on fire. The service had been going on for two hours. And the air conditioning caught on fire, smoke filled the room. So all of us from America, we started leaving and we started headed to the hotel. And they said, where are you going? We're not done. They started worshiping out in the streets. It was beautiful. It was wonderful. And so, but towards the end of the week, we could see we were not going to finish our project. You know, some of the things we'd hope to do, we just didn't get accomplished. So they were inviting us to that last night of worship, and one of the fellows on the, with us, the one who knew what he was doing, he said, you go ahead. I'm going to finish up. And we said, no, you know, we'll get another chance to come. Come and worship. That's what they really want you to do. Nope, nope, I'm going to get this done. And I want you to know, he worked till midnight, and he finished the project. But here's the problem. When he got back home, he continued to say, Nope, I'm going to skip worship. And after a while of skipping worship, he no longer went on mission trips anymore. You see, when we stop taking the moment to fall in love with Jesus, and that's what I'm, I'm hoping tonight is, and I'm hoping every worship service is, to fall back in love with Jesus, to remember how much He loves us, that we are broken, that we are lost, and He doesn't love us any less. On our worst day, when we've committed our worst sin, when we feel the worst about ourselves, He still madly and deeply is in love with us. And when we forget that, then we lose the heart to make an impact. As I traveled, I got to hear some great testimonies. And I was at a church, and one of the, the ladies of the church kind of made her way into the church, and the pastor told me her story. He said, I want you to get to know this lady. He said, about six months ago, uh, she could not get out of bed hardly. Uh, uh, by the time she'd get up and make herself breakfast, it was usually about 11 o'clock, she was in constant pain. But um, uh, her, her grandson needed somebody to babysit before school. The parents had, had a change of jobs. There was nobody to watch the kid. And out of desperation, they just said, just for a while, till we can figure out something else, can we drop him off by your house? Can you, can you fix him some breakfast and let the bus catch him? And so this lady, who couldn't hardly get out of bed, who could hardly walk, who had not left the house for a long time, found a way to get out of bed, scramble some eggs for her grandson. And now she's leaving the house every day. And she's coming to church. Now her pain was real. But her love for that little boy did some healing. And I want to tell you, my brothers and sisters in Christ, every chance you can in, in, in digging into the Word, in spending time in prayer, and getting the gospel under your fingernails, involved in some kind of mission. If you're a believer, if you call upon the name of Christ, then you ought to be involved in some kind of mission and ministry. You ought to be making an impact. And as you fall in love with Jesus, you'll be amazed at how much you can let go of self, let go of fear, let go of your own worries, and begin to focus on who Jesus has put in front of you. When I was traveling, I had a, a lot of times that, that, that people would, would during a, a service, you know, I'd be in revival, and they'd say, you know, hey, preacher, can I take you out to eat? 
lot of times it was somebody about this level right here on the road. They'd just say, hey, can I take you out to eat? I mean, you know, it didn't happen every time, but a lot of times it did. So I was out to eat with this couple, and, uh, and have you ever been out with a couple, and, and you could tell they'd been fighting? Have you ever been out? Well, you just know. Nobody says anything, but you know there's a tension. He's done, done something wrong, and he hasn't apologized yet. That's usually how it is. So I'm out to eat with this couple. I don't know them, but I could tell they're mad at one another. I could just tell they're mad at one another. And then they got a call on their cell phone. And they found out that their child had been in a wreck and was in the hospital. And all of a sudden, they weren't mad at one another. Whatever that disagreement had been, it didn't matter because somebody they loved was in need. And I went with them to that hospital. I thank the Lord that child is okay. But what would happen if the church was so heartbroken that there are children in this community who do not know Jesus. That there are people facing uh, addiction and they do not know there's a God more powerful than whatever has them in the grips. What if we could be so heartbroken by that that we said, you know the things we disagree with? It's not that they're, they're unimportant, but they're not as important as reaching people for Christ. My friend um, Marcus Spencer told me the story of a lady in his church. Uh, if you were to see her feet, you would see that she had been in some kind of pretty bad accident. Her feet are just scarred and torn up and, and her toes are gone. Uh, her little girl got to be about five years old before she realized that her mommy's feet were different than anybody else's. You know, when you're a kid, however things are, that's how they're supposed to be. She hadn't even thought about it, really. But at four or five years old, she came to her mom and she said, Why are your feet so ugly? And her mom said, Sweetheart, when you were a little baby, the house caught on fire, and I had to run get you, and that's why my feet are this way. And she said, Mommy, I love your feet. You see... Christ didn't run through fire, but he walked up a hill called Golgotha. And he wasn't headed towards a cross. He was headed for us. He loves us. And he loves us deeply. And when we begin to get to know that love, it changes who we are. And if it doesn't, then that's not the love you've known yet. And you can still know it. A love that is greater than our own self-centeredness. Don't we cry out for that? Wouldn't you love to walk out from this place and say, you know, for a while, Lord, I, I'm, I'm just not going to think so much about me. That's what C.S. Lewis said. Humility is not thinking less of ourselves, but thinking of ourselves less. Lord, I want to be so passionate about what you called me to do what you've uniquely gifted me to do what I've been through in my life that's tendered my heart towards others Lord I want to be so focused on you so in love with you that I just don't have time to so focus on me you know they say that, that money can't buy happiness that's what they say money can't buy happiness but money can buy a jet ski and have you ever tried to be sad on a jet ski have you ever? It's almost impossible because the gravity of the wind is making you grin. It's my, one of my favorite things to do is get on a jet ski. I love it. I love the thrill of it. 
But it does not compare to getting a front row seat and watch Christ move in somebody's life. To, to get to be a part of what God does, to be involved in a ministry that transforms lives, that kids get fed, that families are restored, that is life. That is a life worth living. That is a life filled with joy and meaning. That is the ability to get out of bed and know that God is going to use you that day. And that is the life that Christ has promised you and I. So brothers and sisters in Christ, I'm going to ask the musicians if they'll, they'll make their way to the front. And I'm going to surprise you. You did not see this coming. This is really, you know, I do some unusual things. but So you're not going to see this coming. I'm going to ask you if you want to pray at the altar. Wow, didn't see that in a revival. Woo! Didn't expect that. I, I'm, this is not show. This is not, uh, you know, old-fashioned religion. The altar is, is where we have to kneel. And it, it is a physical sign of who, where we are spiritually. That We just can't do it by ourselves. That we just got to fall upon you, Lord. I am tired of trying to be a better person. I am tired of trying to fall out of love with me. So, Lord, help me fall in love with you. And I don't know what's on your heart tonight. I don't know what you're going through. It may have nothing to do with what I've talked about. But, but, but you, you, you came to revival. You, you came to revival, so end it by seeking after Christ. Lord, I want to hear your voice stronger than I've ever heard it. Come and do you have people you love that are hurting? Will you come and pray for them? Would it be a good time to pray for our nation? I don't know what's on your heart, but I, I want us tonight to just come forward and just just not worry about anybody else, but just, Lord, I want to talk to you tonight. I, I, I need to see your face. Lord, I want to fall in love with you again. As, as we lead in worship and as you feel led, will you come and pray? Let's stand together.